0: Welcome, everyone. This is No Need to Argue with Kobe Wittick. Welcome to the show, everyone. This is No Need to Argue. I'm your host, Kobe Wittick. Thank you so much for joining me today. I uh, do have to apologize. I missed all of last week, and I have to apologize because work got a little crazy. I wasn't able to get the episodes in, and Heck, there was a lot of sports going on with the World Series and everything else, and I I needed to catch up. And make sure I didn't miss any uh, big moments. So I do apologize to everyone out there for missing you last week. But we are back on track. It is Monday. It is beautiful. It is October 29th. The snow is on its way in Denver as it always is for Halloween night. And the trick-or-treaters are going to be bundled up and trying to make their costumes look as best they can. With all of the warm clothes they're going to have to be wearing. But let's get going Uh, definitely check me out on Twitter at no need to a, um, had a few polls up last week and got a few things that are going to be coming up here soon. So check me out on Twitter. Let me know what you think about the show and definitely get involved in some of those polls that I'll be posting here soon. Um, once again, last week was absolutely crazy with everything that took place. Uh, Broncos had a lot of stuff going on. NFL did. Obviously we had the world series going on. Uh, NBA is, you know, gearing up and kicking into high gear with you know a lot of their nationally televised games and and some of the big matchups in the beginning of the year NHL same thing so a lot of stuff going on and we will try to recap and get y'all updated on everything as best as I possibly can so with the bell there we are going to get going with my you got to be kidding me moments of this past week so You got to be kidding me. Want to get this thing started off first with the 18 inning game of the World Series, game three. I was struggling to stay up for this entire game. I wanted to. It was a great match, a big pitching duel. You know, it was only a 3 2 finish with the Dodgers pulling it out in the 18th inning. But I was halfway through the 13th inning when Boston went up by one. And I I was just, I mean, I was laying in bed. Eyes were getting real, real heavy. And I finally just said, you know what? I think Boston's going to take care of business in the bottom of the 13th and win this thing. And I'm just going to go ahead and get my shut eye. And next thing I know, I wake up the next morning and (laughs) two full games were played the night before for game three to be decided. Finally in the 18th with Los Angeles Dodgers taking it three to two. I mean, it was just such a crazy battle back and forth. And, you know, guys left on base and opportunities that weren't made. You look at the box score. I mean, Mookie Betts, Xander Bogarts go 0 for 7. Mookie Betts was 0 for 7 with a walk. And Xander Bogarts was 0 for 8 in the 18-inning game. I mean, it's just crazy to see the pitching duel that went on. Mitch Moreland was 0 for 5. J.D. Martinez was 0 for 3 with a walk. And, you know, I mean, you just look at all of the at-bats that people had chances to make plays for, I mean, both teams. And it just didn't happen. And it was such a crazy game. You know, I put on Twitter uh, my poll about who would win the World Series and how. And majority of the votes was all for the Red Sox in five or less. And they ended up taking care of business in five or less games. So, congrats to the Red Sox. It was a heck of a season you know, it was hard for me because I, I don't like either of these teams. I, I didn't want to root for either of these teams. Obviously, with you know, the Rockies having their chance against the Dodgers in game 163 to take the division and they fall short and then getting swept by the Brewers, it was just really tough to uh you know root for the Dodgers. I just don't like them. I never have. It comes with the territory of being a Rockies fan. And obviously, the Red Sox, you know, I'm I'm a little bit more neutral. But at the same time, the Red Sox beat the Rockies in the 2007 World Series with a sweep. So, you know, there was a little bit of me rooting for the Red Sox to, you know, do the same to the Dodgers so that the Rockies looked a little bit better and it didn't look as bad us getting swept in the World Series in 2007. So 11 years later, the Dodgers are able to pull out one in 18 innings and they lose in five You know, congrats to the Red Sox fans. They have a great, great team. And uh, that is definitely built to be a dynasty. But, you know, hopefully the Rockies can take care of the Dodgers next year and just go ahead and flush those guys right out of the NL West. And there's no need to argue about that. You gotta be kidding me. Next one I had here, you know, Thursday Night Football. I was really rushing to try and get an episode in before Thursday Night Football. And what a matchup it was for, you know, Miami and the stories that they've had going on this year with, you know, Ryan Tannehill and, you know, he comes in, they start 3-0, and then he gets injured and they've lost four straight and everything that was going on. You know, you got Brock Osweiler, you know, who had been with Denver, signs the huge, huge contract to go play in Houston. That didn't work out at all. They go ahead and they draft... Deshaun Watson who was just a stunner last year ends up getting injured his comeback and is really putting on a show this year as you see him kind of get acclimated back to you know the NFL game and and his team and the offense and everything else and the weapons that he has there and you look I mean the catch that DeAndre Hopkins made in this game was absolutely stunning. I mean to catch it one-handed bring it through the legs and, you know, bring his other hand in to kind of hold it there, never touches the ground. I mean, what an amazing catch by DeAndre Hopkins and it gets pulled back for offensive pass interference. Now, this is the problem that I have with that call. Did he push off a little bit at the top of the route? Yes, DeAndre Hopkins did. That is pretty normal. If you watch any NFL game on any catch, there's gonna be fighting and pushing going on between the wide receiver and the defensive back every single play. You honestly could probably call pass interference one way or another on every single catch in the NFL unless the wide receiver is just wide open. You know, guys are gonna be fighting for the ball. It's part of the game, it's what happens if. In my eyes, if it's equal on both parties, you don't throw the flag, you let the play be what it is, whether it be a catch or not. On this play, they call pass interference on DeAndre Hopkins, and I'm watching the replay right now on YouTube and seeing that, yes, he does take his right hand and push off a little bit on number 25 for Miami Howard, the defensive back. The problem that I have with this call is that Howard, after kind of getting pushed, loses his balance, loses a couple steps there, and he grabs on that right wrist of DeAndre Hopkins and kind of pulls as he's falling to the ground. So DeAndre Hopkins is fighting, his arm getting pulled after a little bit of a push-off, goes up one-handed through the leg, secures the catch, and makes i mean the most miraculous catch probably up there with the catch that... Odell Beckham Jr. made going into the end zone. I mean, those two definitely rival each other as a 1-1-A, either way you see fit. And yet, the referee calls offensive pass interference after he watched the defensive back grab a hold of DeAndre Hopkins and try and pull him to the ground afterward. That is one where they're both fighting, they're both committing the foul, You see that miraculous catch, you hold on to that flag, man. That is ridiculous that that was called, I mean, after watching that miraculous catch. And there's no need to argue about that. You gotta be kidding me. Next one I have here, Ty Montgomery. Oh, what a matchup we had in Los Angeles this weekend where the Packers come in at 3-2-1 against the undefeated Los Angeles Rams. What a tight game it was. I tell you what, the Packers defense played their butt off. They really, you know, they really made the Rams fight for everything that they earned in that game. Uh I mean, what a game. You know, Jared Goff had the first quarter. It was kind of, you know, gosh, like are the Packers going to come in here and and create this upset? The Rams don't look very good. They have a really good coaching staff. They made their adjustments. They, you know, hit their stride and took care of business and then you see the comeback. That discount double check, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, always seems to put up. The Rams come, and they take the lead, 29-27. There's two minutes and five seconds left in the fourth quarter. The Rams kick it off, and you're thinking, okay, you know, we got this. We have Aaron Rodgers, we have one timeout, and we have the two-minute warning after the first play when we get the ball at the 25-yard line. And you got to think, I mean, you got to think, that with Aaron Rodgers and two minutes, all you need is a field goal. I mean, you could give this guy 30 seconds with a full field with only needing a field goal, and Aaron Rodgers is going to get the job done. He's proven it time and time and time again that I mean, you do not need much for Aaron Rodgers to take care of business in the NFL late in games. And what does Ty Montgomery do? Ty Montgomery goes out there and returns the kick. I mean, he's a yard in the end zone. You you have Aaron Rodgers on your team. You know that all you have to do is take a knee. You have to go 75 yards for a touchdown, or you go about 50, you know, 40 to 50 yards for a field goal attempt for Mason Crosby, and you're going to take care of this game. You have two minutes to do so. I mean, if you're the Broncos with our offense, heck yeah, I am all for taking that ball out of the end zone and trying to make a play because we do not have the best offense when it comes to making plays and game-winning drives. But you have Aaron Rodgers, man. And Ty Montgomery takes this thing out, and the Rams just, I mean, clean, clean, strip that ball away from him and recover it to end the game. I mean, Ty Montgomery, you got to be kidding me, man. You knee that ball down knowing you have Aaron Rodgers rogers one of the greatest to ever do it in the nfl and you want to try and make a play on a kickoff return come on man you cannot be doing that and i know Ty montgomery he's gonna catch his fair share of this situation but i mean you just got to have some wherewithal i mean unless that ball is kicked in the field of play I'm catching that thing and trying to keep my feet inbounds the best I possibly can or letting it fly over my head. You have Aaron Rodgers, and there's no need to argue about that. you got to be kidding me. Next one, famous Jameis Winston, four interceptions yesterday against the Cincinnati Bengals. They are dominating the second half. They score 18 points in the fourth quarter. Jameis Winston throws four interceptions. They score only nine points in the first half. And they're down 27 to nine at half. In the third quarter, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Hey, I mean, we've seen this play out before, right? In in Buccaneer territory down in Tampa Bay, Florida, You know, Fitzmagic has this miraculous start to the season. Offense is tearing it up. He's setting records. Everything is grand. And he has his fallout game. So what do they do? Bye week coming up. Hey, let's put in famous Jameis. You know, we got this guy coming back. Let's get this taken care of. He's our man. That's what he drafted him for. What does he do? He comes into a huge game against Cincinnati, a team that's playing really well, a team that's battling in their division. They have a chance to really make a stand, and Jameis Winston throws four interceptions. So Ryan Fitzpatrick comes in. Hey, let's see how this works out. He comes in and goes 11 of 15, 200 yards passing, two touchdowns, and goes to tie the game in the fourth quarter with a minute left at 34-34. Tampa Bay is going crazy. It's like, hey, we're going to push this thing to overtime. We're going to take care of business. This is awesome. Fitz magic is back. Nope. One minute left was too much time for Andy Dalton and the Bengals. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense struggled again. I mean, they just march it down the field, kick a field goal to win it. I mean, it was just it was crazy to watch, you know, the Buccaneers on the sideline, they're joking around, they're smiling, they're like, "Yeah, overtime, here we go. Let's let's go ahead and get a win here." Uh, I mean famous Jameis was high five and fits magic and you know everything on the sideline and the next thing you know, Andy Dalton does his thing with that offense and all his weapons and they take care of business. And as I'm looking at it, the Bengals scored three total points in the fourth quarter, and that's all they needed with the lead they built up to go in and win this game, get to five and three, and now Tampa Bay is sitting in a place where it's like, wow, you know, what do we do with our quarterback situation? Neither of them can stay consistent for a long period of time, much less an entire season. I mean, the way these two have played, they seem to play really well, you know, out of the gate or after they get benched. So maybe this is something where they switch off games for the rest of the year and see if they can keep that fire going between the two in a competitive nature. I I mean, who knows what's going to happen with this team come the tread deadline tomorrow, you know, head coach getting fired. Who knows? But... I mean, it was just unbelievable to watch Fitzmagic come in for Famous Jameis after four interceptions. Fitzmagic takes care of business, and they still end up losing after such a miraculous comeback in the fourth quarter. You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me! How about Adrian Peterson? Kind of sitting in limbo over the last couple years. No one really knows what to do with him if he's still the old you know fierce runner dominating runner that he was in the past well Washington takes a chance picks him up and says we're going to I mean we're going to feed you the ball I mean this is a guy who has been you know the starting running back a lot of carries every single game taking care of business when he gets the opportunity to and the Washington Redskins are 5 and 2 I mean they had a close you know tight battle with the Giants It was in New York, you know, away game, division game. Those are always tough. As I've said before, you know, it doesn't matter what your record is. Divisional games are just different. And, you know, the Giants fought, but the Redskins came in. They took care of business. They ran the ball and dominated the game. And it was perfect for Alex Smith. I mean, you look at Alex Smith was 20 of 32, 178 yards, touchdown, no interceptions. Hey, he was efficient. We will take that out of Alex Smith every single day that's what he was in Kansas City. He's a really really good game manager. He'll make plays when you need him to. That's all that's all you need him to be. But you look at Adrian Peterson, 26 carries, 149 yards, 5.7 average and a touchdown and he added a receiving touchdown as well. So two touchdowns for Adrian Peterson, 26 carries, 150 yards, in this game and just dominated. I mean, fountain of youth for Adrian Peterson. All the injuries, everything that he's overcome, he's come back from. He's still fighting. And, I mean, just what a story to watch this guy, you know, come out with the Washington Redskins. They're 5-2. and two. You know, no one expected them to be atop their division at this point in the season. And they are looking really strong. Defense is playing well. You know, the offense is really coming along with Adrian Peterson leading this. And what I liked most about this is that you have Adrian Peterson, you know, I mean, one of the greatest running backs ever in the NFL, this week going into New York where Saquon Barkley, the number two overall pick in the NFL draft, has shown his worth this year for the struggling Giants. And Adrian Peterson says, you know what, young buck? Go ahead and take a seat. I got this one. And, I mean, it's a testament to the offensive line there. They gave up zero sacks against the Giants, albeit that's not the best defense there in New York. I mean, they got rid of JPP. You know, they've made some changes to try and get better, but it's just not the best. I mean, it's a reason why they're 1-7. in Offense and defense just don't look good at all on either side of the ball. But, I mean, no sacks given up, 150 rushing yards, To Adrian Peterson, I mean, give it up for that offensive line. And there's no need to argue about that. You gotta be kidding me. Last one here, we'll wrap it up with, you know, again, Case Keenum and the Denver Broncos. You gotta be kidding me. You know, they come in, they play a hard-fought battle again with the Kansas City Chiefs, one of the hottest offenses. They've held them to their two lowest scoring games. In the entire NFL season. I think they scored thirty in one other game, but you know, lowest and second lowest scoring games, the Denver Broncos have held the Kansas City Chiefs to, and it always looks so much closer than it really is. I mean, you watch this game and it's like, gosh, it feels like we're getting dominated, but you look up at the score and you're like, Hey, we're still in this. Like we still got a shot. Defense was playing well. You know, we were stopping the running game, but of course Hunt was killing us. In the passing game, Patrick Mahomes was killing us. You know, they had a lot of matchups against linebackers. I don't know why they didn't change that. The Denver Broncos had, you know, Todd Davis matched up against Sammy Watkins twice, against Kareem Hunt. I mean, it was just ridiculous how many times we were going man coverage and had linebackers on these ridiculous weapons that the Kansas City Chiefs had. And Patrick Mahomes is a smart guy. He took advantage of it every single time, he just took what you gave him. He was going to hit the open guy. He was going to take the matchup that he liked best. And he took care of business. You know, we shut down Hill. He had three catches for 70 yards, but one of those catches was 40 yards. He had no touchdowns. We really kind of took care of him. Kareem Hunt only rushed for 50 yards on 16 carries. Took care of that. You know, but hey, Kareem Hunt had five catches for 36 yards and a touchdown. Travis Kelsey had six catches for 80 yards and a touchdown. And then Sammy Watkins. You know, that's the problem with the Kansas City Chiefs is there's so many weapons. You can neutralize one or two of them, but there's going to be two or three others that are going to take care of business when you neutralize the other two. So it's kind of pick your poison. It is what it is. The Broncos, you know, they play well, but, you know, watching Case Keenum and his time management, you know, and just the sacks that he's taking, I think that's what's driving me crazy. And I've said it before, Case Keenum. Bill Musgrave. You know you don't have the best offensive line. You know that you're not going to get a lot of time to throw the ball. So Case Keenum in his head has to know, you know, one second, two second, two and a half. If there's nothing there, you need to get rid of the ball. These sacks are killing us. The penalties are killing us. But Case Keenum, you know, he feels the pocket kind of collapsing a little bit there isn't you know a great open receiver not a good matchup that he can go to and he tries to kind of move move around and, and maybe find some time and break the pro- pocket He he's not athletic enough he's not quick enough he doesn't have the ability like Aaron Rodgers and some of these other quarterbacks to kind of do that and free flow and make plays on the run on bootlegs and play actions yeah he's great but he's not one that's going to be able to break the pocket when it breaks down and make plays with his feet and move around and find open receivers and get those extra plays as they come. And the sacks are driving me crazy. Case Keenum, get rid of the football. You know you don't have a lot of time. If your first, second read isn't there, you're moving to your third, uh, that internal clock's got to hit, throw it away. I will gladly take an incomplete pass through. Throwaway every single time than a six or seven yard loss on a sack. It just pushes us back, and then we're climbing a bigger hill than we need to, than we're capable of accomplishing. There's no need to argue about that. Gosh dang it, Case. Okay, now that I got that out of my system, my frustration from the Broncos game, let's go ahead and move on. A lot of stuff happened in the NFL. Some great games this weekend. And, you know, we got a, a marginal matchup tonight with the Patriots and the Bills. It is a divisional game, as I've always said. It's in Buffalo. So you better believe Buffalo is going to be riled up. They got a lot of things going on in that team. They're not sure, you know, quarterback wise, their draft pick is out and he's injured. And they got. You know, everyone they're trying to fill in and figure out. The defense is still pretty good, though. I mean, that defense is playing good. They got some talent over there. Uh, you know, the Patriots are coming into enemy territory. So we're going to see how that takes place. I think Tom Brady takes care of business. But hopefully it'll be a good game for Monday night, divisional matchup. We'll kind of see what happens there. But, you know, we have the trade deadline going on. Tomorrow, 4 p.m. Eastern, on Tuesday, the 30th of October. So, a lot of stuff's going to be taking place. And I think, you know, as I'm hearing everything, especially here in Denver going on with the trade, you know, I talked about it a couple episodes ago that the Broncos need to trade DT. They need to trade some of these guys with these high salaries that are doing. Things on the football field that the guys behind him can do just as easily and probably need the reps more than them, anyways, for us to build for the future. You know, and as I talked about it in that episode, you know, what John Elway needs to do is look at his roster and say, is this guy going to be at the top of his game in two to three years when we will be super competitive again, or at least hopefully. That's how they build the team to be. And if not, you got to start trading these guys. And I know you're not probably going to get the best equity back in draft picks and those kind of things for these guys, but you got to start ditching these salaries. You got to realign your money so that you can sign guys that you need to, whether that be on your team in free agency, make some moves to do some things. But I think, you know, as you're sitting right now as, you know, the Denver Broncos, you're sitting at three and five. You finished 5-11 and 11 last year. You had a four-game losing streak already this year. You had an eight-game losing streak last year. I mean, it's time to just look in the mirror and realize that what you see is what you get and stop, you know, waiting on hope or waiting on Case Keenum to turn it around or any of this stuff. We have a really good young core of talent on the Denver Broncos right now. They did a really good job this last draft and we have... I mean, we have studs. Phillip Lindsay is a stud. Absolute stud. Sutton is a stud. I mean, we got some guys who we can really build around and make plays, but it starts at the offensive line, first and foremost. I'm so tired of everyone saying, well, you got to get a quarterback. You got to get a quarterback. You got to get a quarterback. It doesn't matter. You need an offensive line to protect that quarterback. There's no sense in making a big move on a free agent quarterback or drafting a rookie. I mean, Peyton Manning was able to manage this bad offensive line that we've had over the past five, six years because he is one of the greatest to ever play the game. Case Keenum can't handle it. Brock Osweiler couldn't handle it. Paxton Lynch couldn't handle it. Simeon couldn't handle it. I mean, you, you, if you have one of the greatest, sure, you can handle a bad offensive line. You can work around things with your you know, game plan and play action and these kind of things with a good running game. But we have a really good running game and we have not been able to work around this bad offensive line. And I think that is where it has to start for the Denver Broncos is that you need to go out and you need to solidify this offensive line. And I don't care how you do it, but you need to do it. They've missed in the draft. They've missed on a few things. Connor McGovern, I know, gets a lot of slack, but I still think that this kid has a real opportunity to progress and be something special. I'll tell you what I love about Connor McGovern. okay this is his first full year starting and really getting an opportunity to play in the NFL. I think that he can grow as a player work on his technique, but I, I just love the fire of Connor McGovern. Every single play, he is the first one to the ball carrier trying to help him up. he's trying to clear away. he's trying to get guys off of his you know skilled guys. Conor McGovern has that right kind of mentality. He has that bull mentality that he's going to take care of his boys. He's going to mess some people up if you mess with them. He's just got to work on a few things. You know, there's a lot of holding calls, a lot of things that he's had trouble with, pass protection, things like that. But I think if he really, really works on it this offseason after one full year of playing and starting and getting, you know, his feet under him, I think that he could still be something good bowls I mean it's just a miss I mean he's had two years he's shown no improvement on his technique it's just I mean it's a miss it happens whatever move along the problem is not having misses you're going to miss in the draft all the time the problem with this is not understanding that you missed and trying to stick with your guy longer than you need to longer than you should Just because you drafted him doesn't mean, well, you know, he's my guy. I got to stick with him. I think that he has the potential. If he hasn't shown it by now, he doesn't have it. And it's not that, you know, he's going out there and he's playing his butt off and he's trying. I know he is. It's that his technique is absolutely horrendous. And after two years in the NFL with NFL coaching, you should have good technique. If you get beat because the other guy's better or faster, that's fine. But when you use horrible technique every single time and you get these penalties and everything else called on you, that is where I have a problem. That is when you need to move on. I mean, figure it out. That's all you have to do. Look at your roster. Is this guy going to be at the top of his game in two to three years? If not, get rid of him. Get rid of him. Get what you can for him. Stockpile draft picks third, fourth, fifth, sixth rounders, I don't care. There are gems out there that you can find. Tom Brady, sixth round pick. Terrell Davis, sixth round pick. There are gems out there. But stockpile these draft picks so that we have an abundance of choices and players that we can bring in and really build the future around. Use them as equity in the draft. I mean, trade them, do something. Figure it out. That's all I'm asking for the Denver Broncos. Figure it out with this trade deadline how you can unleash some of these guys. Let them go live out their career with a contender. You know, DT, he's been great. He's had some great moments. It's just not there anymore. Let him go to Houston. Let him go to some of these guys that people are talking about, you know, teams that could use a good wide receiver, a solid wide receiver to make a push. Let him go live out his career doing that. Don't leave them here. There's a million other choices on this team that you could be doing that with as well. Let's move on. Goodness. Sometimes you got to cut your ties, man. Let's go. Realize this isn't the person that's going to be on your team in two to three years making plays At the top of their game. Move on. Let someone else deal with it. But there have been a lot of trades that have been taking place so far. It's going to be wild. A lot of people out there, you know, Adam Schefter and everybody, I'm sure their phones are blowing up. They're trying to get stories and figure out, you know, this trade deadline. A lot of people have been out there saying that it is going to be a frenzy of a trade deadline this year, unlike past years and unlike the NFL in general when it comes down to the trade deadline. Um, You know, the. Raiders are just unloading players. It seems like for nothing. Uh, you know they got rid of Amari Cooper. They got rid of Khalil Mack. You know they're really building for Los Angeles, and Gruden is just looking to get his guys in there. He wants his type of players uh, that he can build and uh, you know do what he wants to do with there in Las Vegas because he's not building for Oakland. I will tell you that Oakland fans that show up to a game anymore for this year or next year. You know, hey, you guys are just throwing your money away because they could care less about you. They are building for Los Angeles. And if I was an Oakland fan, I would become a Denver Broncos fan. But, hey, that's just me. <laughs> that's just me. So, uh, you know, got a lot of crazy things going on. You know, obviously, we had the first head coach of the year fired in Hugh Jackson. They also fired offensive coordinator Todd Haley today after the three-game losing streak that they've had I mean just kind of crazy you know everything that Hugh Jackson has gone through there and kind of this rebuild and he finally has some decent talent and could start to really build this thing from the ground up with fresh players and they go ahead and get rid of him after a three-game losing streak you know it's one of those that you know, gosh, you could have fired him last year after, you know, an 0-16 season or the year before after 1-15 and and you stuck with him, you stuck with him, you kept trying to make the right draft picks, which I think you have, and then now after a three-game losing streak, you get rid of him this year. I mean, come on. Like, Baker Mayfield is not, you know, Tim Tebow where he's just going to come in and, you know, take the team to 8-8 and and make the playoffs and have a game-winning play in the playoffs against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, come on. Obviously there's a little bit of sarcasm in that comment, but I did love Tim Tebow here in Colorado with the Denver Broncos. And I think that he was a seller quarterback for what he was knowing that, you know, he was that type of guy in the comebacks and the energy and everything that he brought to a team, all hail Tim Tebow in Denver, Colorado for the rest of my life. But I mean, Baker Mayfield is a good player. You have some good players that you're building. A three-game losing streak, hey, you know, it's going to happen in the NFL. It's still the NFL. You still have a young team. You still have a team that you're building. I don't know about firing Hugh Jackson because what he's been able to, you know, overcome and go through with this team over the past couple years, you know, I would at least let him see this year out. You know, see where you end up at the end of this year. You know, do you get to maybe – you know, I don't know, six, nine and one or seven, eight and one, something like that. Are you able to, you know, string a couple more wins across the rest of the year? I mean, just to fire them after a three game losing streak, you know, yeah, I I don't, I don't think it was the time, but hey, you know, they're going to move on. They're going to try and find someone else to bring this thing, you know, together and uh, develop these young players as they see fit. So, Best of luck to you, Hugh Jackson. I think that, you know, with what you had to deal with out there in Cleveland, you did a heck of a job in my eyes, and uh, I wish that you would have been able to have this year to enjoy a couple more wins that I think are coming your way uh, that you, unfortunately, were cut short on. So, best of luck to Hugh Jackson, but it's going to be crazy. I mean, tomorrow with the trade deadline, gosh, I keep messing that up, sorry, uh, you know, it's going to be fun to see what moves are, are taking place. You know, obviously there's some contenders out there with injuries and, and different things going on that are going to want to make sure that they solidify that roster before, you know, the final push and second half of the season comes. And Denver, I really just hope that, you know, we hear a bunch of trades taking place of, you know, these older players and veterans and high-priced guys that are going to be moving on. And best of luck to them. I I have no ill will against any of these guys, but I just understand that for the Broncos to be successful in the next two to three years and kind of rebuild this thing from the ground up, that there's some guys that got to go. And that's just the way it is. It's the way it is, and I understand that, and I hope everyone else understands the business side of this and keeping your fans in those seats with competitive football because that's the most important thing when it comes to people supporting the n f l franchises that are here to stay and There's no need to argue about that now this week, I mean there were some great games you know I could go through you know four or five. Uh, I mean, obviously the Texans, Deshaun Watson, five touchdowns. I didn't play him in my fantasy. I played Jared Goff over him because I thought they would destroy the Packers defense. I regret it. That's my bad. I played Deshaun Watson over Jared Goff when he threw four, four or five touchdowns, whatever it was in like week two or three. So, hey, I just can't pick the right quarterback any week. That's fine. Whatever. Great game by the Texans on Thursday night. Eagles take care of the Jaguars in London early Sunday morning I love those London games I'm sad that they're over because I love waking up at seven o'clock and having football until I go to bed at 10 o'clock at night but what a game you know the Eagles take care of business show that they are getting back on track to make a playoff push again and defend their title the Jaguars who know what happened to the Jaguars but I mean, goodness. The Jaguars are sitting at three and five after being in the AFC championship last year. They are just not looking good. Blake Bortles, you know, he had a good game. He didn't have an interception. So that's, you know, awesome. But I mean, Blake Bortles led the team in rushing. I mean, you're just not going to be successful when that takes place. You know, they they really need Leonard Fournette back. And I think that you know, this year it, it just might be over for the Jaguars already. And it's crazy to say that eight games in for, you know, how good that team is on paper, but they just they just they, they don't got it. And that's just plain as day. Carolina Panthers take care of business at home against the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens drop to five hundred and the Carolina Panthers go up to five and two looking really good and uh, you know, really trying to fight with New Orleans down there in the south uh you know you're probably looking at those two teams winning the division and being a wild card team in that division you know the browns lose to the steelers you know that it 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 came out and it happens You know, the Bears take care of business against the Jets without Khalil Mack. And, uh, you know, so it just kind of shows how good that defense is and how dominant they are with Khalil Mack in the game. Raiders get blown out. You know, we saw that one come in with all the moves they're making. It doesn't look like they care less about winning another game this year. You know, the Cardinals take care of business against the 49ers. And what a game last night with the Saints and Vikings. You know, the Saints just. They were hitting on all cylinders. They were taking care of business, making plays. You know, that defense made some big plays. And obviously, you know, the Vikings, they just kind of hurt themselves, honestly. I mean, this is one kind of like the Broncos. You know, the Broncos had two turnovers, a lot of penalties that negated big big gains. And the Vikings had, you know, similar. I mean, you look at... You know, the interception that Kirk Cousins throw at that time in the game. You look at the fumble by Adam Thielen. You know, a sure-handed guy has another 100-yard receiving game, so he gets his record and name in the books for eight games in a row and eight games to start the season. But, I mean, two really bad turnovers. They had some penalties. They had, you know, great statistics and good games by a lot of people. But, you know, at times when they needed it, they just kind of shot themselves in the foot. And, you know, the Saints got their redemption, from the Minneapolis Miracle last year. So a lot of good games that took place, you know, this week coming up, we have some good games, but it'll start tonight with the Patriots going to Buffalo to take on the Bills at six 15 mountain time, eight 15 Eastern standard time. So, I will definitely be catching you guys on Thursday this week. We'll preview week 9, talk a little bit about the Monday night football game if it's worth talking about. We'll see how the Bills play and and if it's a blowout or if it's a tight one, uh you know, down the wire tonight, but uh you know, I apologize again. I missed you guys last week. I missed being here talking to you and and going through everything that happened. Obviously, we had Chad Kelly arrested and Chad Kelly gets cut and the Broncos and All the distractions that are going on there. I hope we get some updates going on that we can talk about this week and Thursday uh, on the next episode because there's a lot going on with the Denver Broncos' ownership. I mean, team personnel, coaching staff. I mean, who knows what's going to happen with the trade deadline. So, uh, you know, a lot of stories going on and going to be taking place this week leading up to Week 9. So enjoy the Monday Night Football game tonight. It should be a good one. And I will definitely catch you guys on Thursday – to talk more football and anything else that takes place this week. Thank you so much, and I will talk to you then. Take care. Thank you all so much for listening again. Until next time, I'm Kobe Wittick, and there's no need to argue about that.